When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Out of the gates, ready to go. OutKick 360 underway from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine, Monday edition. Back from the weekend, plenty to discuss and guests to chat with. Philip Fulmer, former Tennessee Vols head coach, joins us in about an hour and 15 minutes. He's in hour number two. We'll talk all things SEC, Tennessee, NIL, and more. And a cool golf tournament he has coming up with the Tennessee Sports Hall of Fame. Uh, that will be around 3.20 Central Time. Kayla Kinnearum of Outkick Bets, outkick.com. She is on today's show in hour number three and so much in between. Gentlemen, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Good to be back with you boys uh, after a, a big weekend. A lot of sports get caught up on over the weekend. Looking forward to talking with uh, Philip Fulmer a little bit later. Um, there's a lot to talk about in college sports and how things have changed uh, since he was, uh, since he retired, resigned, whatever happened with everything and how it went down with Jeremy Pruitt and his reign as athletic director at Tennessee, so plenty to get into with him coming up a little bit later. Holly? I would imagine it's a somewhat unrecognizable job to him. Um, good to be back. Uh, big weekend, a lot of sunshine. Georgia's not my favorite state, not, I have to say, and it's not just an Atlanta thing. It's because uh, I wasn't in Atlanta for a lot of it. And I will say the Braves, I did not get up and go to my window to look out, but it's staying right near Truist Park. They put on a hell of a fire, fireworks show after, after a loss. I, I would think that That's part of the promotion, it, it would I'm vary sure. a little bit well, in a major league I mean, stadium. Look, if you have uh, fireworks night, it can't be <laughs> dependent on people buy tickets and, hey, we're going to have fireworks after the game. It can't be dependent on you winning or losing. You're going to have fireworks night no matter what. Well, when it started, I thought these are the fireworks of, uh, of, of a win. Like you celebrate like uh, after, after the win, some fireworks go off. Then it became more and more extended. I, got, I said, oh, it must be just – Fireworks night. Also, they were maybe they're they celebrating their World Series win. The last this past time was the World Saturday? Series happened. Uh, this was Friday night, and maybe they, they maybe were winning. Weekend. Maybe it's every night at the ballpark. They were winning. At last, I had checked the score, so I was kind of presuming, and then the cool. game got away from them. I was doing one of those, uh, you know, check-ins, watching some of the. I think it was on FS1 on Saturday. Braves Padres go outside to grill, and it was tied. Then I looked down, and the Braves were down like six to two in the eighth. I'm like, oh, it's over. And then I walk back inside, and they're up 7-6 to six in the ninth trying to close out the win. No idea what had happened. Uh, went back and, and saw what happened. But don't you love to get those pleasant surprises with your team where you just turn it off and say, oh, it's over, they lost. And then you turn it back on, and oh, look, they're ahead. Well, when Amazing. We, when we planned this baseball trip for Simon's team, we, we were saying, like, we want to go to Cincinnati, St. Louis, or, or Atlanta to coordinate with the major league team so we could all go to a game together. But we didn't look at, like, start times. We just knew they were home. We're like, we'll be able to go to, to a game. Well, the Braves had a regular start time Friday night. We knew some of us wouldn't be able to make that. A lot of people did go. 
But their start times were so weird. Saturday, they started at 4, which is a very weird 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 start time. And Sunday, they started at 11.35, which is very weird. To have two weird start times on a Saturday and Sunday – Completely took us out of contention they, to go into I've, I've noticed a, a handful of the 11.30 Sunday games, 11.30 Eastern, because uh, 10.30, uh, was it last weekend? Uh, Mother's Day, I think it was. Detroit or Chicago, the White Sox, one of those two uh, had first pitch. At t- I'm like, man, this is, this is early. Mother's Day brunch but at it the was, stadium. But it was the national game on Fox is why they – why they had the first I didn't pitch prefer so those start times, so I still haven't been, so we're still due for a trip down there. Simon would have loved to have gone. We would have loved to have gone, but it was not meant to be. So I watched Apple TV's broadcast of Braves-Padres Friday night. It was on Apple TV, which, which we've discussed and got a lot of criticism one weekend. Um, I thought it was pretty good. I thought Melanie Newman on play-by-play was fine. Uh, I didn't notice any problems with her. We've had her on the show in the past, an Orioles broadcaster. I thought Chris Young wasn't very good, but, I mean, it sounded like a lot of these major league former players that are, you know, color analysts on games, and he was part of it. What I really like about Apple TV, just one little feature I want to bring up, I love the probability thing at the bottom of the screen. I love that when they start, they say, 37% chance to get on base. And then after it's 0-1, 44% chance of a strikeout. Then it's 58% chance of an RBI if there's a runner it on didn't second. didn't get tiresome. But it changes every pitch. So it goes to either it, it lowers it or adjusts it. I mean, they have some sort of mathematical statistic, sure. right, that goes into it, but goes into percentage chance of a home run. Then it'll go to percentage chance of RBI, percentage chance of a walk, percentage chance of a strikeout. And this is while the batter's at bat right when it starts through every pitch. And I found myself mesmerized by that. I don't care as much about exit velocity and even pitch speeds on every pitch, but I actually like that, and I hope more broadcasts bring that in. It's funny you bring this up. I saw a Katie Nolan um, Instagram post, and it was a a shot of the booth. It was a home run. I don't even know what game it was. It was a home run, and the play-by-play guy was excellent. He made an excellent call of the home run. She threw up her arms and said, oh, my, and stopped herself, right? And, and her caption was about how she's training herself not to step on the play-by-play guy. And most of the feedback was, that's ridiculous. This whole thing is supposed to be unconventional, and we want your emotion in the moment. I was very tempted to comment like, well, is there a time when you're actually allowing yourself to say something? Because one of her things, I saw an interview with her, where she, she admitted that she stopped herself from speaking for like the remainder of the game, like the last four innings of the game, because her thing was to react to what was on Twitter, and what was on Twitter was all bashing her, and so she went into a shell, which I thought is the most unprofessional thing ever. Like, if you can't overcome that and get, you know, emotional about it, then, then you're unqualified to be in the box. But if she's there to be a, a reactor fan, then she should be a reactor fan. If she has to train herself not to react, seems like the, it's the wrong person or the wrong mix. So I, I, what are they trying to do in there? Well, if you're, this was very conventional. I will say the broadcast, I didn't, I didn't, uh, See, they didn't go to the reporter. to me. They enough go, But, but the, again, the one thing that stuck out to me was the one part that I thought was somewhat unconventional, which is the just percentage chance of things happening during each at-bat. 
Uh, it looked clean. The, the score bug at the top of the screen looked really good. But here's what I think that we run into a lot of times, right? We love the Manning cast because we love Peyton and Eli, and it's a little bit different, but people still watch the main broadcast. You don't have to fix what's not, what isn't broken. If you're going to be unconventional, you better be good and unconventional. Well, if you're going to be Katie new. Nolan's problem is she's not good, yeah. and they're not good at doing the unconventional. So what have they done? They've course corrected by trying to be a little bit more conventional. Why do we need so another conventional? So now Katie Nolan is saying, oh, I don't need to step over the broadcast because that's the play-by-play person's responsibility. I guess what I'm saying is there's a reason that there's these roles in a broadcast because we figured out what's best in a broadcast and what sounds best. And maybe some of it isn't the fault of the people trying to be unconventional. It's people that watch conventional sports all the time. And if something doesn't sound the same, they think it's bad. Yeah. even though it may not be bad. I don't know why we need another conventional broadcast. In, in New York, where John Boy has taken off, uh, Yes has hired those guys to do some shows. And he thinks eventually they'll be... And there's another guy that John Boy's hired. John Boy's this, this just Yankee fan who's done amazing videos breaking down situations. He can read lips. So uh, like when Aaron Boone's arguing with an umpire, he can read both sides of that. And, and tell you what's going on, but he's hired a guy who's got amazing numbers of people watching him watch the game and react to the game. I think there's a market for that kind of thing. It's not necessarily me, but it's very unconventional. I don't think people are looking for a secondary conventional broadcast. I think they're, be it a high-minded, more high-minded thing like the Mannings who are going to have great guests, or some crazy fan watching it going crazy when, when Aaron Judge hits a home run. Different. Let the second alternate thing be very different and experimental. Well, the, what you're talking about on the, on the Melanie... Uh, Melanie Newman? Uh, Newman. Newman, yeah. That's not a secondary... Is that the only broadcast of that yes, game? Yes, that's the, that's the that. Apple broadcast. But even that, I'd say, if you're going to have one game a week, do something crazy with it. But I don't well, think th- that, that you have that's to That's what they've been doing, and it sucks. Yeah, yeah, that's the problem. Well, they is, picked the wrong crazy is what their problem is. Yes, again, if you're going to be unconventional, you better be really good at being unconventional and know what you're doing right. going into and it. they didn't. They I think didn't they went in idea. all willy-nilly, and Katie Nolan's just not that good in this, in this setting. So now yeah. Katie Nolan's trying to be more traditional, and the example you said where she's not talking over the broadcaster. Anyway, I just say all that to say I didn't watch the Apple TV games the first week. That got crushed by pretty much everyone out there that watched them. I watched five or six innings Friday night. And I thought to myself, Melanie Newman is better than I expected based on reviews that I saw. It's a pretty straight down the middle conventional game broadcast. That was fine. Nothing jumped out to me, good or bad, during the, the, the call of the game. But I love the percentage probabilities that were put on the screen by Apple TV. But what are we looking for in a national game of the week? I don't know. Gravitas. If I'm watching my team, I don't want to watch two people talk about other things. Throughout the game. No. And people that are watching baseball games, guess what? They're probably watching their team and they don't care about the rest of the league as much. Yeah. No, I mean, if I'm... The appetite if, for a national game of the week is, is almost gone. non-existent. Yeah. And, and in the old days, if you had it, uh, not, not just, uh, uh, you know, the old buck, it, you, you had a, guy, a national guy with gravitas. Vin Scully was calling it or something like that. And there was some power to that guy calling your team's game but I think that's pretty much gone now too right I'm not excited to hear the national guys call the Yankee game I want to hear the Yankee guys if I don't hate them and the Yankee TV guys I don't hate Yankee radio people I hate 
Well, but I listened to the White Sox call of the Yankees game, and they were saying we, we, we the whole game and such White Sox homers that I didn't want that either. Well, I mean, that, that's the, the local broadcast that are crushing it. Uh, the, locally, Major League Baseball is fine. Yeah, everybody but does well. Nationally, there's they, no market for it. They, there's no market because they, the, the, the nation doesn't know this game. They don't know this version of Major League Baseball because unless you're in the local market, you have to spend a hundred plus to watch the games that are out of your network. You're not seeing the Arizona Diamondbacks play on Fox on the weekend or on a random Tuesday night. No. You have to pay to watch that, and America's not doing that. And you're getting your baseball fill on your team. You're an Orioles fan. You get to know the other teams when the Orioles play the other teams, and that's the degree you know the other team, generally speaking. I, I'm a Yankee guy. I get to know the White Sox right now a little bit because the Yankees are playing the White Sox. But that's all I care to know about the White Sox. Yeah, but the, ca- the casual sports fan across the board is going to flip channels and stop whenever there's a matchup or a game that's on that is piquing their interest. It is impossible for Major League Baseball to control Twitter when people are saying, oh my God, did you see this play? Or bottom of the ninth, bases loaded. Tell me where to go to watch this if you're not paying there's, for the package. No, you can't. You have Zero. to have the package. And that's why Major League Baseball is failing or maybe, right now. Because maybe. you can do it on any other sport where even the NBA, four out of the seven days of the week at night, you can flip over and watch a doubleheader on ESPN or Turner. You can maybe go to MLB Network to catch that highlight if somebody's throwing Zero a no-hitter. Zero chance because a it's, no-hitter. it's a studio show that uh, you're not going to be able to find that game and randomly come, come across it. Like they, it's, they might flip to a no-hitter if somebody's throwing a no-hitter. A no-hitter, but like I, I'm saying, like, Chad is discussing Braves are down 6-1 or 5-1, and they come back to win in the eighth inning. Yeah, you're not fine. Zero that. chance that America talks about that. No, and that was the FS1 national game of the week. You know, that was their Saturday late afternoon game on FS1, and I was watching it on FS1, but it's not going to generate any buzz. A big problem with baseball is how many people can you point to that are Major League Baseball fans? Right. And not a Yankees fan or an Orioles fan or a Braves yeah, it's fan. It's a small percentage. How many people can you point to and say, I'm an NFL fan? Almost everybody. And they follow the whole league. Yep. And I understand that it's once a week and it's easier to follow and more people play fantasy football ideal and product. all these things. But I can remember being a kid and legitimately being on a different little league team that had a different Major League Baseball team mm-hmm. logo on it every year and getting into those teams and collecting baseball cards and, and knowing the league. Monday Night Baseball league. was a thing. I could say I was a National well, League fan as a Wednesday. kid. I knew oh. all about the National League. Wednesday Night Doubleheader. And Monday I don't Night think you have people that are thing. that way anymore. It's Very just, few. It's non-existent. Well, and Sunday. You had Sunday, Monday, Wednesday. And then you had TBS and WGN. Yeah, which uh, made the Braves, Braves three or four national nights out of the week. A lot of people, yeah. Made them national uh, teams. So you, and, and not just national teams, you had national brands. Uh, if Kirby Puckett were in town, you watched them play. Like it... There is zero chance of, that, of the average sports fan flipping on a game and calling a buddy and saying, man, flip over here because it's a great finish. Yeah, you want stars coming through that's your town. You want NFL first. You want NBA second. Yeah, and, and that's, to me, that's the trick. It's not coming up with some alternative broadcast. It's making their broadcast more accessible. And that, they don't have the TV deals and rights to do that. They're making a ton of money off their local revenue and off of the extra innings package uh, in providing that. But it's a very small percentage of the just – Average fan. That model can work for making money it can and, grow. Being, and being popular it can and to get great ratings in every city, but it's just different. It can than work, the other but sports. it's not growing your sport. It's growing your teams. 
it's uh, growing your, 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 your fan base, but it's not growing your sport whenever the, the playoffs roll around. And it's growing your teams, but it's not growing your bad teams. And there are, are 12 bad teams at well, the start of the year who have no chance. But it's not growing your brands. The, the, I mean, we, we saw a list of the, the highest paid uh, players, athletes in the world. And salary-wise, Major League Baseball competes. When you add in endorsements, there, there are not too many Major League Baseball players that are in the top 100 paid players in the, in the, in the globe, on, on the globe. And it's because they're not recognizable. That's a huge problem for Major League Baseball, you whether they want at, to acknowledge that or not. You even look at the most popular Yankee now, which is usually going to be the seat of honor, and, and if Aaron Judge wasn't 6'7", or whatever he is, it would be a lot harder for him. One of the things that helps him be recognizable and stand out is that he's a giant. Hit us up. Outkick360 on social media is where you can find us. Coming up, we discuss the conference finals that are set across the NBA. Game 7s across the NHL. We'll get into that. Drew Brees, not with NBC any longer. That made official over the weekend. We'll discuss where he's headed and the tweet that he sent out. Plus, now is the time to really start watching the NBA. At least traditionally, this is when things start to heat up. Because up until right now, at least I hope, moving forward, this is the case. So far, the NBA has been unwatchable. This is Outkick 360. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back and their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless from researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience. Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Glad you're with us as we broadcast on this Monday from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Coming up in an hour, Philip Fulmer on the show today. Kayla Kinnearum from Outkick Bets with us uh, two hours from now. Guys, in a, a column for Outkick.com that we'll post at right after the show, I, I wrote how traditionally I have a rule that I don't really dive in anymore to the NBA until the conference finals, which start tomorrow. And the full schedule available as the Celtics knocked off the Bucks, uh, they move on to take on Miami. We will also see Golden State and Dallas um, in a couple of nights from now, and the games will seesaw based on the schedule that's available for the the NBA playoffs. But uh, I wrote that I broke my own rule this year because Golden State and Memphis sucked me in, and for about three games, it was worthy of my time time well spent but the rest of the league through two rounds 
is, has been atrocious. Um, and quite honestly, sad. I mean, we, we've seen some, uh, some, some series go deep. But for the most part, guys, this is just not good basketball. It's not a good brand of basketball. And um, ESPN and, and for the most part, Turner will point to these series being tight and the star power and the, the posterization type plays. But it's not like these games are very competitive at all. And the, the, the blowouts, to me, are, are what is so interesting here. 19 of the 69 NBA playoff games were decided by 20 or more points. 35 games decided by 10 or more points. Um, and the great games that we would point to and say, man, awesome finish, three points or less. There were 13 of the 69 games that were worthy of a text to your friend that said flip over right now. Playoff basketball is in full effect. Now, hopefully we get that in the final two series going into the NBA Finals. But last week, Memphis, and they led Golden State by 55 points at one point in the semis, the conference semis. That was in the third quarter. Four of the seven games in the Boston-Milwaukee series were won by at least double digits, which means it's not coming down to anything but dribbling the ball out in the final minute. And the closest spread in the Dallas-Phoenix series was seven points either way, and that came in game one. After game one, the margin of victory in the Suns-Mavs series was 29, 10, 30, 27, and 33 points in game seven yesterday, a game that was actually 39 points before some threes at the very end made it 33. The Suns only lost by 33 at home to the Dallas Mavericks. This is virtually unwatchable, but yet the NBA will point to series. Their, their series and they'll point to the television uh, revenue that they're getting, but this is, this is not a good TV product. The league sucks right now. You're right, and I, uh, not to expand it, but just a quick aside. We talked about this last week. A lot of the hockey series were, were the same. Big, big score yeah. gaps. It got good at the end, and some of these Game 7s were terrific a couple last night. But throughout the last six weeks, we've seen a lot of playoff games that weren't very tight at the end of the fourth quarter in basketball or the third period in hockey. For and the most d- part, d- all of the Game 7s delivered. And yeah, yesterday, which is great. the NHL gave us two overtime games. That were and great. meanwhile, Game 7s in the NBA were complete Dutch. blowouts. Yeah, But it's not been a great stretch here for either sport in terms of the regular game that you turn on. Is it going to be compelling at the end? And the answer yeah. has been no. The Suns last night, I mean, I would have loved to have heard Barkley on this one because they, and this was not a show up and think you're just going to win it. I mean, they just had nothing, nothing. Uh, Luca, you know, was tied with them at halftime by himself. And this, the, the crowd shots were priceless. I mean, Teresa, my wife, looked up at one point and said, oh my God, look at these two guys who had just blank stares on their face. And I was like, it's not just them. I mean, every crowd shot is, is, is showing a pair of ghosts, a family of ghosts. And think of the money a lot of these people spent to get into the building to see their yes. team in a big moment, to watch them go down 30, 40, 40 plus. Was it as much as 50? I mean, it was the most lifeless Game 7 home building you will ever see in your life. And it, it was just absolutely miserable. It was one of those things I watched to the end because I felt obligated to see just how bad it was 
and to see how lifeless it was, to see how the Mavs reacted at the end. And they were over it. I mean, the Mavs had moved on and were starting to think about Golden State. Well, remember when you would only tune into the final five minutes of an NBA game because someone would be up 15 or 20 or down 15 or 20, and that didn't matter because it was the NBA, and teams were going to go on different runs over the course of a long game, and it should be close in the end. That is now flipped to this year where if someone's up 15 or 20 in the second quarter, it's over. Uh, Outside of a a game I can remember was Milwaukee coming from behind against Boston, and they had a big deficit and came all the way back and won a close game in that series. Grizzlies had a huge comeback. Yeah, Grizzlies had one in the series before against Minnesota. Minnesota. I am. But usually you get more games like that. I think the classic example of this was game five in Memphis where Golden State quit. They, the Grizzlies got out to a great start, and Steph Curry's out there stepping out of bounds, four straight possessions, yep. not even paying attention to where his feet are on the court because he knows it's over. And we'll get him in San That's, Francisco. Yeah, we'll just go back home, and we'll, ta- we'll, we'll regroup, and we'll have a different game plan, and we'll get them back in that game, knowing John Morant wasn't coming back. That's a problem for the NBA. Which came to fruition. Now, way. having long series is not a problem because you're getting that revenue for the individual teams in the league, and... You're getting more television opportunities for ratings and all of that. But when you could contrast NHL and their Game 7s versus NBA Game 7s, there's a huge difference in those games, and it's not good for the sport. I'll also say the way the NBA is played now, you have conflicting styles. Milwaukee is a rim protection team, especially with Chris Middleton out. With DeAndre Ayton, who, by the way, mysteriously – a team decision only played 17 minutes. Yeah, he quit. In one, of their, in one of their best players, that is a rim protection team that likes to go inside. Who did they lose to and get drilled by in that game seven? A team in Dallas that's got seven-footers shooting threes. They got five guys, and all their big guys are playing out on the perimeter. Uh, Boston, Milwaukee dared Grant Williams to beat them in game seven, yeah, and he, he did. did with seven threes. We're going to give you wide-open threes all game. The way the game is played now, it leads to these fun shootout-type games when teams are hitting. It also leads to these miserable blowouts when seven-footers are hitting threes and the team that likes to go down, down low can't do anything because they can't go out and defend and guys are hitting wide-open threes because they're not built from a roster standpoint to defend it. And then we get the results like this, which is not going to be good. Also, a couple injuries. You mentioned Middleton. Uh, that changed who the Bucks were for sure. And, you know, they kept mentioning it, saying, as they were saying, we don't want to make excuses. I have less of an objection to the Bucks uh, and the way they went out. I mean, they, didn't, they weren't dogs, and the Boston played very well. Chris Paul certainly, uh, you know, doesn't have a great track record of finishing series and, and getting his team to be as good as it should be. But – he wasn't the same player either after he got hurt early in, in this one, which, you know, he's, at some point he's going to have to be healthy and play well through an entirety of the playoffs. Last year was as close as he got, but they, they couldn't finish. Um, but, you know, you get an untimely injury here and it changes, uh, it changes too much the DNA of who you are. Um, you know, I'd like to see a team overcome that a little better. Going into the series, underneath the, the, the coaching staff of Milwaukee, they were 8-0 in closeout games. Uh, they're now 0-2 this year. Uh, Milwaukee, though, can point to the run that they've been on. Meanwhile, the Suns uh, just had a, had a franchise-best season in wins. 
they set the high water mark this year for regular season wins. And Paul was in out the in NBA. a lot of that. Um, and Chris Paul was a no-show in the game that mattered yesterday, along with Devin Booker. The, the, the two, Devin Booker, uh, who is considered a superstar in the league, was a zero in game seven. DeAndre Ayton quit to the point where post-game, the head coach was saying that it was an internal decision as to why he didn't play and was as stern as you'll ever hear him. That tells you all you need to know about how the team feels about DeAndre Ayton moving forward. Um, he quit on his team. 17 minutes in a, as Chad mentioned, a rim-protecting type job that he's under uh, was a no-show. And, and unfortunately, a lot of these teams, and, and all of these guys are guilty. I mean, even Golden State, who's still around, is guilty of this, of just laying an egg and being totally fine with it, mailing it in in the second quarter. I thought Monty Williams sent a good message to his team. And I mean, you know, it's over. But he said to them something along the lines of, like, you've, you've been in a lot of positions this year to kind of bask in the glory after a game. He told them in the locker room afterwards. And now it's time to go taste the other side of it, you know, as he sent them, uh, as the doors were open to the locker room or they went to the podium or, or whatever, like telling them, go face the, go face the music. You, you deserve to. Um, well, I mean, that, that's, that's a little bit different. I, I take that a little bit different for a team that lost their final two games by a combined 60 points. You know, and again, this is a team that had 60, what wins? 64 wins, a league high, and a franchise high. And they lose their final two games and bow out by a combined 60 points. There's more sure. than just, well, we take our lumps and now it's your turn to oh, take no, yours they this need season. To be, they need to be reconstructed a, to a degree. Yeah. I mean, this, is, this was nondescript for them for a, for a year that was supposed to be their year. Yeah, and I'm sorry, uh, Devin Booker can't be considered a superstar. 11 points. In a game seven, if, if that's your contribution. And not even looking like a guy that's trying to take over or trying well, to do anything to get, get, Giannis, get his team. Well, you in, come in a, in out of halftime. Giannis, Giannis carried his team. 25 yeah. points, 20 rebounds. You come out of halftime for the Suns, right? I think all of us have to be thinking like, all right, we're going to see the absolute best now. They're coming out pissed off and yeah. thinking – they're going to make some kind of charge here. 30's awfully big. Odds of them coming all the way back are slim. But we're going to see something here. And what do we see? We see the Mavs score the first eight of the third quarter to absolutely say no chance they're making any kind of comeback. That tells you everything you need to know about the Suns there. The Suns weren't coming back to win that game, but the Suns should be the team that comes out and scores the first eight of the third quarter and at least shows you like, hey, We've got some gumption here. We've got some heart and soul. For them to give up the first eight of the third quarter, that is really bad. What is the best case scenario now for the league? Is it Boston, Golden State, hands yeah. down? Yeah, I think. And not, not any combination of Miami, Dallas? I don't know. I mean, I, have you heard less about anybody than Miami in these playoffs as a number one seed? Well, I'll tell you the guy that I want to see more than anyone else now. If it was Giannis a year ago, it's Luka now. If I want to see a guy's season continue, well, I'll tell just you, an individual superstar to continue watching, I, I want to see more of him. I put immediate money on Dallas last night because they were the lowest. They were plus 750. I just looked now. They're down to plus 650. So a lot of people think in the same way, apparently. I mean, I don't want to see any of them if the games are going to be like this. I won't be tuning in to watch blowouts just to see 
Doncic put up. Uh, I'm with uh, Doncic put up whatever he's going to what he had 27. What the Suns had 27. It's 27. It's 27 all at halftime. Well, I mean, and Giannis uh, either scored or assisted on 25 of the first 26 points of the game for Milwaukee. Yeah, I mean, he did he's everything. Ter- he's terrific early on. But the, these games, though, man, like I, the, now is when they're supposed to crank it up, and the league needs it. Uh, it's time. I mean, if they're going to play tight, down to the wire ball. And it's going to be tight series throughout, and you can have a game here or there that's you know double not everyone's figures, going to right? be right. Yeah. That's that's but this is a this is routine to begin the playoffs. The league needs this because right now you've got LeBron out of the postseason, and no one's wondering uh, what book someone's holding in a post game press conference that's p- turned to page two. Like that, the focus is on the sport itself instead of yeah. the extracurriculars behind the scenes. Because and the LeBron's ratings have not, been better. So yeah. now so, you've got more eyeballs on the actual game. And I think a lot of us were expecting, I was, a rematch. I, I thought it was going to be Suns-Mavs again uh, up until at least a couple days ago. And certainly, You mean you thought it was going to be Suns-Bucks? Suns-Bucks, yeah. sorry. Suns-Bucks again. Um, so now you've got fresh blood coming yeah. you know can they make that exciting like you're There's saying it's got to be through good games like everyone's going to point to well that don't have the superstars here and you know Steph Curry can't carry everything and even the Warriors are getting routed in some of these games so uh give me a reason to watch beyond just telling me that you have star power beyond some of the guys that we've seen on a routine basis on national tv night in and night out with LeBron and Durant not playing right now and don't because there's be no the reason to watch your product Please, currently dear lord not the Celtics well, the league wants the Celtics. Oh, I, I mean, th- these are a new group of Celtics to go try to yeah. win a title, but it's the Celtics. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing new about the Celtics playing deep into the summer well, in, in the NBA. And Jason Tatum is one that they can really promote to the moon as a star. And he's a reasonably likable guy. Certainly Grant Williams is. There's not – and Grant Williams is not no star. No. Uh, for, but that was a but great a performance. Great role, I mean, he tied Steph Curry's Game 7 record for threes made. And, oh, by the way, broke Steph Curry's record for threes attempted. He shot 18 threes and hit seven of them because they kept daring him to shoot, and he yeah. finally got hot and started hitting them. But th- let's say it's Warriors-Celtics. The Warriors just aren't as likable anymore after a couple of titles. There's something about them watching that Grizzly series that I think that it turned for me a little bit in that series where I found myself really rooting hard for the Grizzlies to do something and be that team. Not that they're a villain or anything when you watch. I guess, you know, Draymond Green definitely is a villain for Golden State. But there's a different feel about the possibility of Golden State and this Boston team playing in the finals. And there's not – a year ago for me it was Milwaukee. It was clearly Milwaukee. Yeah. I wanted Giannis to prove you could stay in a small market, win a title, sign that Supermax contract, stay there, compete for titles year in, year out. I wanted to see that for the sport, for the league. I don't know who I'm looking at now and saying, you know, I really want the Miami Heat to show they can do it this way. By the way, that Heat team is great. I mean, you quietly, you look at their roster top to bottom. Duncan Robinson's one of the best three-point shooters in the league. He doesn't even play some nights Boston's because be they're so deep physical. in their rotation. Don't you, don't you expect Boston to be super physical in well, that Miami series? will, too. Oh, Miami. I mean, Jimmy Butler, as Eric Spolstra said, is the best competitor he's ever been around. In terms of how we've seen him fight Udonis Haslam on the sideline yeah. to get him going. I mean, he's going to fight. That, that, I mean, any Pat Riley team is going to have that type of fight in them to some extent. That, 
look, it's been bad. Hutton, I agree with what you said. These blowouts are bad for everyone to watch the game and make them unwatchable. But I still feel like these two series could be great and feature a lot of close games. Well, I hope they do. Well, traditionally, this is the time to tune in because the games are great. The problem with the NBA playoffs right now is we're a month in and there's nothing to really point back to other than a couple of games against Memphis and Golden State as to why these games should be played. Right? Like the, the, the blowouts here are just back and forth and it's just not, it's just not a good product. Uh, until now, well, the, traditionally. The two highlights have been a few games here and there. The Grizz come back against Minnesota. A couple of nice games with Warriors Grizz and women gluing themselves to the floor. Yeah, I mean, that's that blowout last night. That's been the other reason night, to tune into NBA games. That blowout last night is one of the biggest stories of the, of the postseason. It was just, it, it was, I don't know. I, I was looking well, forward that, to the second half of Milwaukee-Boston. And then that got away quickly. And then I'm like, okay, I'll start watching this game. And it was over from the tip between Paul, Dallas if, and Whenever Phoenix. I see a game that's played, one, one team's in the 70s and the other team hasn't broke 30, I'm not flipping over. Like, I don't, uh, no matter how, I mean, if that's the biggest, one of the biggest storylines of the postseason, it's a storyline. It's not good for the league, but that's a big storyline, really yeah. It is a big storyline. It's not good for Suns, anybody. The but Suns' it's, it's, failure is a big storyline. It's got a lot of people talking. And not yes, only that, Chris Paul yes. turning 37 and just disappearing as a player uh, is what everyone's talking about. How He just seemingly fell off a cliff. Yeah, he says he's not retiring. And I'm not talking about Cliff Paul from the commercials. Yeah. He says he's not retiring. That's one of the things he said in his postgame yesterday. I'm not leaving. <laughs> he's not leaving. You know what? I sucked in those last few games, but I'm not leaving. You know who's loving the Celtics run? Red Sox. 12 back. Second worst in baseball in terms of uh, distance from first place. A lot of time left, Paul. A lot of time left for those Red Sox to turn it around. Get ready. They're going to make a charge, Done. much like Hutton's Orioles. Done. No, not like my Orioles <laughs> at all. Uh, and unlike, Behind your Orioles. Unlike Boston, Baltimore doesn't have another team they're pointing to as a championship caliber <laughs> either. Baltimore Bullets not around. Uh, UM Baltimore County looks to be good next year, though. So they're going to be pointing to them. I mean, what, what, what a time, the city is what on a time HBO to Max be in good Boston reviews. or Tampa as a sports fan. Yes. Um, if you're a fan of well, either Tampa's, of those. Tampa's got it going on. Yeah. I mean, the Lightning win in a game seven. You've got the uh, Buccaneers. Well, they're going back. for a third straight Stanley Cup. Yep. Uh, Tampa. And uh, that Which scene, be- the scene in Toronto was amazing. Yes. And then the scene in Toronto when Tampa scored in overtime was also amazing to see the doom and gloom. That is a tough hockey market to have that level of not getting it done. The scene in Calgary was well, pretty electric. Well, I, I did my, my Fox News rundown this morning on the scene in Toronto because the, no matter what, ex, what the, the fan base or the, the media there, which is the epicenter for the sport itself, is in Toronto, uh, they're upset. They're, they're going against one of the all-time great franchises to ever play in the league. I mean, when you consider they're going for a three-peat, during COVID and then the injury-riddled, salary-cap-stricken season of last year, and now to do it again where, I mean, they just coasted through the regular season. Speaking of Tampa, they had nothing to play for. Just get back in the playoffs. They had back-to-back champs. I mean, you want another president's trophy? That's hollow. Um, You're facing one of the best franchises now, period, in a run if they cap it off 
uh, because they're they're also banged up right now currently as a team. If they if they cap it off with another title, three in a row in any the, professional sport these days, that dynasty really is going down as one of the best ever in the sport based on how they went about it over the last three years. A lot to play left. Plus, uh, Canada gets the the Alberta series coming up with Edmonton and Calgary. Calgary scene was pretty amazing. Calgary has been lit since the first uh, game one. I mean, they, 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 they're having block parties with thousands in attendance outside their home uh, arena. Jam-packed arena. And, Jammed. Uh, and they came back from behind last night. It was Coming wild. up, Albert Pujols makes his pitching debut. That's next on Outkick 360. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Albert Pujols, 42 years old. And he made his pitching debut yesterday. Finished with a 36 ERA. Blowing out, not getting blown out. <laughs> Important uh, characterization. Gave up a couple dingers, but uh, also, look, when you're throwing that soft and uh, with that much of a loop on the ball, semi-ephus, some of them almost, you would, would you say that's fair? Some guys know how to just time that up and nail it, the two home runs. And some guys hit weak ground balls to shortstop, which is exactly how it played out. I was interested in his approach to getting loose to go pitch. What did he do? Because uh, I saw the video that a fan was taking of him coming out of the dugout and then the fans slowly realizing in the pitch the ninth inning, Albert Pujols, and everybody's going nuts, and there's very few people there because it's 15-1 to 1 or whatever it was at the time, 15-2. to 2 in the ninth, but he goes out there and it's like he's playing long toss. Like, but he starts short and he's just throwing it normal, not even from a pitching you know, movement, and then he's going back closer to the mound, then he barely puts his foot on the mound, and it's like he's just stepping back and throwing to a buddy as he pitches to get loose. It was nostalgia day for the Cardinals because not only did Pujols pitch for the first time ever, but Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina broke the battery record for most games pitched and caught with mm, each together. other. All time. It was Warren Spahn and uh, Boston Brave slash Milwaukee Brave. I'm looking for the catcher's name. They broke their record. That's going back. Wow. Warren right Spahn away. and Del Crandall. Uh, there was two, the 203rd game for Wainwright and Yadier Molina pitched. Hmm. Broke the 202 games for Warren Spahn and Del Crandall that happened from the 30s through the 50s. Aren't we still at 16-man pitching staffs or 14, whatever the huge number is? And why do the Cardinals need to do this? Are they not bad? No, they didn't need to do it. They they just let them go. I mean, I think they were ahead so much, they said, you're not going to blow this lead. Pujol said it was a dream come true. You want to pitch? He was asking to pitch. They let him out there. It was 15-2, right? Final score was 15-6. He gave up a three-run homer and a solo shot, but got out of the inning, giving up four runs. And well, he, what's he the equivalent? Is is this like um, you know right tackle <laughs> being able to? I mean, I, kneel, I think that if, kneel if, out a game. 
It's one where well, it's more than that. It's Albert Pujols I mean, coming it's 15 back. Fifteen to two. He's joked with the manager about wanting to pitch, and the manager said, "If we're ahead by twelve plus runs in the ninth inning, I'm going to give you a chance to pitch one inning if we get in this spot, or we're down that much." And it just happened to be they're ahead that much and went out there and pitched. I'm guessing that's what happened. I wonder if some guys that were that hit these homers or uh, scored have some type of bonus related where they get like. At the end of the season, they'll get they they get their bonus based on one homer or one run scored. Yeah, I, I didn't and go it's through because and, of this game. I didn't go through and look at the the be box score of what, but who made the outs and how they make them? Because that's what there I'm was more a concerned week with. Because if I'm going in there as a major league hitter and Albert Pujols, this old man who's never pitched, is out there pitching, I'm thinking I better not get well, out. His first yeah. three, first four at bats, he gave up a walk and then there two was, hits. Right, yeah. and one of the hits was a homer. So it was the first three at bats was a. The there third was a grounder was a that looked like a double shot. play that they didn't they didn't get the guy at first a grounder to shortstop and then there was another grounder to shortstop a weak grounder. I, Chad, I, I I know it's tempting to say that, but I think when a guy's throwing so slow and with such a hump on his pitches, I don't know that everybody is geared I, up. To it's time still that embarrassing, up. though. Perfect. Oh, it's embarrassing. Like that's sure. what I'm thinking in my head going up. Is there is this a lose lose situation? Yeah. I better at least get a single. Yeah, I think it's absolutely a lose lose situation. Because when you ground out the shortstop and go back to the dugout, everybody's killing. Well, Longoria got a single after the opening walk. He got a single, then asked to keep the baseball <laughs> and yeah, go that, get pull house to sign cool. it later. I, yeah, probably. I like that. Uh, I would do the same thing if I was. But yeah, if, I, if, I, if I'm in the other dugout and I see like Pujols or some, you know, Whoever, positional position play, player. Yeah, walk at that man like, seriously, like, do we have to get, like, it's 15. We, can we just now? Right. We've already creamed him and now I'm going to get grief for not hitting off of this <laughs> Also, guy. when do you pull him? 15 to 9? 15 to 10? When is the manager, do you have to go out there and pull Albert Pujols well, because he's given up seven or eight runs? Was the top do you of the tell ninth. him going in, I'll give you five runs or I'll give you six runs, but if it gets... Within five or six runs, we have to take you out. Yeah, and then you put right? yourself in a situation. Or do you go all the way to like 15 to 12 and then bring in your club? No, here, and here's the thing. I take him out after the three-run homer I don't before know, they had any outs. I don't know what their schedule's like or whatever, but you take yourself from a game where you don't need to use your closer to one where maybe you need to use your closer. And then if you have a game tomorrow where maybe you could have rested your closer, you're, you're messing with some stuff, potentially. Well, I don't know that you have to bring the closer in, but an actual pitcher. <laughs> Someone you know paid to pitch. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you let him get to three about. runs, you're probably using your clothes. Coming up, there is a new highest paid player at corner in the National Football League. We'll tell you that and Worthy. more on Outkick 360.